Unfortunately, you come at a time where I'm on a rant. Not really a rant. But I am not a politician. I am a preacher of the gospel. Now, I'm going to say this and not even look at you because I've only got one good eye. Uh, I'm, I'm thoroughly equipped to do what I do. According to my audience is, is how I'll treat you. Whether it be preschool or as a professor, I'm going to deal with you this morning and I'm going to talk about a couple of things that, and I'm going to give you some information. But I gave you my word a couple of weeks ago, I would never treat you as kindergartens. Okay? I'm not going to do that. I don't have time to do that. And so about two weeks ago, I named a name. I named a name of a big-time minister. I named her, and I called her a kook. Okay? George Myers. I called her a kook. Oh, baby. Did, did, that, did the spirit of Antichrist ever rise up in some of you? So this is not the first time this has happened. Um, I will tell you, if you have your pencil and paper, write this name down, E.W. Kenyon. That's all you need to know. E.W. Kenyon. That's where the word of faith was spawned. So don't get mad at me. Don't walk out. Just do your homework. See, I've always said that the younger you are in education, like, like, like Alex doesn't come home to daycare, and he goes, Whoa, i got three rabbits and two snowman to color today before I go to bed. We do all of our work in class. But when you get to college, that's not the deal. That professor's got about 35 minutes, and then you have four hours of stuff to do outside of class. I'm going to treat you like, not kindergartens, like we're going to do all of our homework here because we're not. Go do your homework. A few years ago, we had a guy through here that was a big follower of certain things, and I tried to steer him in the right direction, and this is what I said. He said, is, is there not a place in this church that we could just hear about the goodness of God without a lot of this debatable subject? I said, yes. It's called Children's Church. So if, if you're sensitive, if you're sensitive to truth, you know, the Bible said in the last day, they will be allergic to the word of God. Now, the, the King James said they will not adhere a sound doctrine. That's a pretty good translation. But the Greek says they will be allergic to the word of God. So it's amazing when the word of God starts coming out, you know, we start pinching kids and we start coughing and hacking and uncontrollable sneezing and out the door we go. Well, there's reasons for that. And I'm very wise to that. But I'll never treat you like kindergartens. I want to treat you like grown men and women of God. You deserve the truth. And unfortunately, unlike the few good men, you can handle the truth. I hope. So is it wrong to name names of false teachers? Now don't, you don't have to answer any of this. If you'll stay with me for a week or two and don't resign, I'm going to deal about atonement issues next week. I'm going to tell you the damages of false teachers. And I will say this to you right now. You can relax. Just take a deep breath. I will never expose personal sins that you may have. Those are called sins of the flesh. But I will expose sins of the spirit by false teachers and false preachers. Because it's more than just a false spirit. It's a demonic spirit. And there's reasons why they do this. So if you don't know this, here we go. That there's a movement and a teaching, the Word of Faith movement, and a lot of big ministries and I ain't got time to name them because I hate to get you worked back up, but they do not believe that the atonement of Christ was enough. Jesus shed his blood, and even though Jesus said it's finished, we've talked about this, they say, teach and believe and practice 
that he went to the center of the earth for three days and three nights that was tortured, molested, and manhandled by demons. And on the third day, God raised him out. That is false doctrine. That is heresy. And if you believe that, you are a kook along with her. And you're looking for a clock. Cuckoo. You got it. All right. Ben Browley's from North Carolina. They don't get that, so... So the idea is that we went to a lot of details last week, over an hour, about what Jesus did when he died. Did he go to hell? And we gave you all that information, and I'm willing to give it to you, but not today. So is it wrong to name names of false teachers? You don't have to answer that. But it's not. Okay. So what happens is, I wrote this down here. After 9-11. Anybody remember 9-11? We put a face on evil. Now, before we show this, after it happened, our president gets up and he says that our nation has been attacked by evil people. Well, I didn't know really, and you didn't know who the evil people were. We just knew that thousands of lives were lost, airplanes were crashing the building. We didn't know what was going on, but he stood up and said our nation is under attack by, by evilness and evil people. But, but after 9-11, we put a face on evil. And the main one was Bin Laden. And now I understand. And I understand that it's I understand that there's a realm and a network under that. But make no mistake about it, until we put a face on evil, we didn't know if we was dealing with Texas Longhorns or who is dealing with there. <laughs> so now we put a face on it. And because we put a face on it, now then we know that what we're up against and who we're dealing with and the net we're up against. When we talk about false teachers, I'm not talking about secondary doctrines. Anybody here besides, we talked about this, Church of Christ, Pentecostal Holiness, Assembly of God, Presbyterian, Vegetarian, we all come mixture. We sometimes can divide on secondary doctrines. That means, can we have pianos in the church? Can we have string instruments? There's some that says we can't. All right, but we're not going to break fellowship over that. About water baptism, should we be immersed? Should we sprinkle? Should we dunk? We're not going to break doctrine over that. So what happens is these are secondary doctrines. But what we're about to address is not secondary doctrine. We're talking about the spirit of Antichrist that's coming through a platform in a pulpit trying to seduce godly people. And they're doing a good job of it. And I'm not talking about airplanes and prosperities and big houses. God's not against airplanes, prosperity, and big houses. I'm talking about something that's taken the truth, the deity of God, and turned it into a doctrine of demon spirits. Not today, but next week we're going to get into it. So what happens is this. Did Jesus ever name names? So I named a name. And I, when I named the name, I gave you some homework. I told some of these ladies, go look it up. Go look it up. Before you bite my head off, go look it up. Look it up. So I told this gentleman, go look it up. And they did. And guess what? Yours truly was 100% correct. Amen. And I'm not here to say I told you so, but I'm here. I told you so. But I knew this back in the late 70s and early 80s. But just because you didn't know doesn't mean you're a bad person. I'm telling you, there is real distorted truth outside the walls of the church. And we're not going to get it right all the time. I'm not telling you that I am the icon of holiness and righteousness. I'm just telling you, we have to have discernment to know what is truth and what is almost truth. Because the discernment of spirit is more than just right or wrong. It is truth versus almost truth. That's the danger. 
So did Jesus ever name names? Well, I'm glad you asked that. So Matthew 5, verse 20 says this. So here he is, right out of the box, right out Mount of Beatitudes. First thing come out of his mouth. So I say unto you that except your righteousness exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. How many quotes that? I quote it. How many knows that verse? Are you with me? How many knows this verse? If you don't, what have you been doing for the last hundred years in your salvation? So Jesus is saying, unless you're righteous, this is right the beatitude. This is when he first gets going. Now, what I want to show to you is this. He's not in, in a secret bunker on a radio. And it sounds like he's taking an order from McDonald's. He's not that. You know what he's doing? He's standing right in front of the people that he knew. And he's six foot away, and this is what he says. Stand up, Danny. Unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of what he's teaching, you'll never make it into heaven. He's looking them dead in the eye. He's six foot from them. He's not hiding in a bunker somewhere, thank you. He knows these men. He was raised around these men. He knows their teaching. And so now then, when he begins this beatitude business, that, that he is up within breath distance, and he's looking them right in the, the good eye that they have and says, if your righteousness doesn't beat hers and his and his and his, you'll never go to heaven. No wonder he was popular. So for, for, you, for you bleeding hearts out there in the internet that's going to hear this, you say, oh, he loved everybody and he gave slack to everybody. Excuse me? Excuse me? I'm not telling you he was patient and kind and tenderhearted people. Sure he was. I mean, he needed to be. But I'll tell you who he did not come slack to. He didn't cut these people slack. He ripped them all through the Gospels. I'm here to tell you, if you got personal failures, I'm not on you. I, anybody here ever made a mistake? And the rest of you are going to hell. Has anybody ever made a mistake? I'm not on you. I'm on your side. I'll never expose personal things you did. That, that, is, that is things that we're going to work on. But I will tell you that anytime anybody stands behind a pulpit and, and gives out misinformation, whatever it may be, I'm on them like a rat on a Cheeto. They all have additions, and I'll tell you what, if, we, if our righteousness doesn't go past external things, we're in big trouble. Well, I got baptized when I was 12. I, I understand that. But have you done anything since then? So when you understand what he's saying this, and, and I'll, I'll tell you straight up because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lose you and I'm going to wear out. But before he even in this conversation, he's looking them dead in the eye and he's saying this. I'm telling you straight up. I know that they seem to be the religious leaders and, and you put, you vested your time and effort. And, but if, if your commitment to God doesn't go past these guys right there, you don't have a chance. So did Jesus name names? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I'm not going to get to it today, but this is what I'm going to tell you. There's something in the Scriptures, even adultery, that he doesn't mention a name. But he'll mention names that are false doctrines. Okay? Okay. So, so if you're in sin this morning, we're not going to call you out because we ain't got that much time. So, <laughs> so these are the woes by Jesus. And, and the Greek word for loathes, 
for woes is an expression of frustration, criticism, or to be grieved at. There are woes in the gospel. So if you don't know this, welcome to class. I told somebody, this, I'm not really, this is more of a school than it is a church. You are the church. So this is a classroom setting. So if you don't know this, I'm going to give you some good information. The woes of Jesus, or the woes by Jesus, and the word woes in the Greek language, it's a Greek word for ohi, where we get a word for oh my, or oh my goodness, or like this. It's an inhale of an expression. It means to be frustrated, to be grieved at, it, it, it's, 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 it's to be critical of. So there's woes of Jesus. There are, th- there are eight woes against the Pharisees, Matthew chapter 23, 13 through 16, 23 through 29. There's eight of them. There's six woes of Jesus against the scribes, Mark 12. And there's six woes against the Pharisees, Luke 11. When Jesus says woe, he is, it is in a contrast to what their convictions were. Now, the reason why this is important, because I'm telling you, Jesus dealt with these false teachers abruptly. Because what were they doing? They were steering the people of God in the wrong direction. All right? So when he says, woe be unto the scribes and woe be unto the Pharisees, He's giving you an expression of frustration, of criticism, and he was grieved at them because what they were saying. So if you go, you write these down and you go read them. And it's not to the fact that Jesus is lightly making light of what they're doing. The word woe is he is frustrated, frustrated, and he's critical with what they're teaching this. So there's eight in Matthew, there's six in, and, and the reason why there's eight in Matthew because he's dealing with the Jews, because they believed Jesus was the Messiah. And in Mark and Luke, they do not portray him as the Messiah. So did God ever mention false pagans by name? All right. Now see Ron in the back? Hold, hold it up, Ron. Show this, Jordan. Anybody read that? Good, I can't either. I thought I was on one blind in there. Ron Edge has a handout of this page. Comes out of the Smith Dictionary. It's 39 actual pagan gods that is listed, and he'll tell you in the Bible where they're at. All, of, all 36 of them are in the Old Testament and three in the New Testament. So don't go to sleep on me. I didn't make this up. This is... This is Critical information to you. God mentions false pagans, false doctrines, false prophets that was in the business of turning Judah and Israel back into slavery slavery and idolatry. So when you leave here, it doesn't cost you anything. Go pick one up. So we found out that Jesus named names. And he was around sinners, was he not? And, and he didn't say, that. well, I don't smoke and I don't chew and I don't date to the girls who do. He just talked about religious leaders that was pushing people in the wrong direction because they was preaching a false doctrine. Now God names 39 of them. 39 of them. So he names them. 
So the question now is, did the Apostle Paul name them? So someone said yes, so let's find out what he did. Acts chapter number 5, verses 1 through 11, and Nas and Sapphira. Why does he name these people? Don't answer this. Why does he name these people, folks? Because he'll tell you these people lied, saying the Holy Ghost said, and the Holy Ghost... Let me back this up. Good morning. How are you all over here? These people are, are, are they're gone. Their, their little brains are like jello, so forget them. And Nazar Fires is about false giving. So they lied. They lied. They lied about their giving. Husband and wife. So they, 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 they come into church vertically and they leave horizontally. God killed them. Overgiving. Ooh. You might want to take the offering up again, huh? Because they said the Holy Spirit told them something and they lied. Why did God even, why did Paul even list their name? Of all the sinners around, why is he listing these people's names? And I'm telling you why. It was a false doctrine. And the false doctrine said this, we can do whatever we want to. The Spirit said we can do what we want to. Mm. Acts chapter 8, verses 9 through 13, Simon the sorcerer. He was a magician. He names him by name. There's trickery. There's, there's, there's all types of... The word magic in the Bible is where we get a word for pharmacia. Really, pharmacia, it means to tie the knot in the spirit. So when you see the word magician or pharmacia, like pharmacy, you think it's medical, it's kind of... But the, the, the idea behind the pharmacia means that they're connected to the spirit realm. And everybody knows that when you're spiritually really in, oh, you're somebody. So what did Simon do so bad? He was saying that the Spirit said something that the Spirit did not say. So you go home and read out what happened, all right? King Herod killed James, the disciple. Why is that important? Because he was destroying the disciples of God. I'm going to say this to you this morning. There's a lot... There's been a lot of murders that has happened in the church with someone's tongue that really threw a rope and a knife. There's been a lot of people that come in here that have been murdered because someone's opinion towards you. Listen, just tune those people out. Acts chapter 13, verse 6 through 12. Now we have a Jew and a false prophet. His name is Elimus, and he's a sorcerer, and he's a magician, and fortunately, his name is called Bar-Jesus. The word Bar in the Greek is son, and Jesus, it means son of Jesus, or I'm one of Jesus' son. Once again, to stay with me, he's a sorcerer, and he's is a magician, and he come up with a fake name. I'm a son of Jesus. And matter of fact, that he was so influential to a, a man there the Apostle Paul tried to meet this dignitary of this island. And this guy got in the way. And Paul wanted to witness to him. And he said, well, you, you can't speak to him. I don't care if he is the governor of this, of, this, of this region, but you have to go through me to get to him. 
And the Bible says in verse 9 of this chapter, it said, and, and Paul just didn't go off. Jordan, can you pull up verse 9 of Acts 13? I know we don't have that. Watch this. And somebody said, oh, Paul's just going off on him. Watch what the Bible says about this. It's verse 9, Acts 13. Can you verify with me that Paul wasn't going off on him in the flesh? Can you verify with me that Paul wasn't just had a, a homophobic of people? Do you agree to me the Apostle Paul said, well, I just don't like the way you look, and, and I don't like the way you smell, so I'm just going to go off on you. What does the Bible say? The Apostle Paul that was filled with the Holy Spirit. And because he was filled with the Holy Spirit, he picked up on a counterfeit. Why did Paul name this name? But the Apostle Paul names him because this man is standing right in the middle preaching a false doctrine. He is a Jew. He's a magician. He's a sorcerer. He's demonically possessed, if you will, or influenced. He's taken on the name of our Jesus. I'm a son of Jesus, and I will not allow you to influence the man that has the capability of passing anything as far as Christian laws and values. And Paul said, I'll deal with you firsthand, and he did. He names him. Acts chapter 19, verse 24. The Apostle Paul comes upon a man by the name of Demetrius, the silversmith, to Diana. Anybody know anything about Diana? Look it up. So here, this guy's making a fortune, making trinkets. So see, some of you don't matter. So here's the deal is this. Here's the deal. But he's making a fortune off trinkets. He's selling the gospel. We got little winged angels we're making a fortune off of. We're making a fortune off little crosses. We're making a fortune off bumper stickers. And Paul comes along and casts his spirit out, and I'll tell you what, he touched their God, and their God was no longer in service. He absolutely destroyed the ministry of what this guy's doing to Diana, and I'll tell you, they didn't like it at all. Matter of fact, the city was so upset that they went to throw him over the cliff. When you start touching man-made gods, they don't like it. Some of you come in here, and demons right now are just rising up, and you don't know where to run, to the back or run to the front. I'm with you on that. But I'm here to tear down every demonic vice that is trying to distort you from hearing the truth that Jesus not only is the Son of God, but He's the Son of Man, but He's the Savior of the world. And we will not allow any other doctrine, baptism, water baptism, speaking in tongues, we won't allow any of that to come in the way that Jesus is the head of all things. Absolutely. So if the Apostle Paul deals with this, and he calls him by name. So here we have this morning, we, we've got we've to kind of get somewhere where it's halftime for next week. But now that he's going to name somebody, two somebodies, this is found in 2 Timothy chapter number 2. And let's read this together. 
So he's telling Timothy, and who's Timothy? He's the young pastor in Ephesus, a young man. Now, if you don't know this, the church went from 12 to 120 to a few thousand, and at this time, in just a few years, the church of Ephesus alone is between 30 and 36,000, bigger than a city. It's widespread. It's gone crazy. Can you imagine that? So listen to the advice that good old Apostle Paul is telling Timothy. With, and in Ephesus, you may or may not know anything about this, but there is a lot of pagan worship going on in Ephesus in the temple of Artemis or where Diana is. Right across the street, they're looking at the temple of Diana or Artemis. They're looking at her. And in that temple, I'm going to get on the fact of should women be pastors in a church? Thank you for that arousing applause. But I'm going to deal with it. It's going to make you mad. It'll make you mad. You'll cuss me. But I'm going to, I'm going to tell you the truth. So they're looking at this temple over here, and I'm putting this in a nice way, but Diana is known for, uh, let's just change it. Let's just do something else. But right across the street, we have a temple that's being built by the seduction of women. And every man that goes by, I've always said this, preachers cannot compete with pantyhose. Can't do it. Am I against women? I married a woman. I love her. My mother was a woman. So we had this temple dying in Artemis over here, and I'll tell you what, she, they got it going on. They got high heels and high skirts, and man, they got all that going on. I mean, I mean, it's like those cartoon characters. They got, and I mean that in a nice way. I mean, how can the old hairy-legged apostle Paul compete with that? And you tell Timothy, he said, you, you just got to preach the truth. Just preach the truth. So he said, of these things, put in remembrance, charging them before the Lord, that was strive not about with words, no prophet, but the severity of hearers. Let's, let's go on down, and we'll come back to this one, please. I'll tell you what this means. So study, spadazzle, to show thyself approved, a workman that need not to be ashamed, or it means embarrassed. You're not embarrassed, God. Right in the divine, the word of truth. This means, it doesn't matter. You know what this means. It, it, when I say you know what it means, the study, show yourself, it means a farmer that can get rows straight. Spadalzo. When you drive by 60 miles an hour, it looks like a fan. It's telling you that somebody knew what they were doing when they planted those rows. All right. That's, it, you know, you've heard me talk about this. All right. Go to the next one, please. But, but get rid of a show, shun profane and vain babbling. Beblos and, and kinos. Uh, profane is beblos. It means manure. Uh, babbling is kinos. We're getting for kino. Kinos is empty and hollowness. Now watch this. Leave that up or watch this. The Apostle Paul is telling Timothy, you're going to be around people that all they want to do is blah, 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 blah. I went to Mass one time, and their saying was, God is good all the time, all the time God is good. And then somebody said, where's that in the Bible? I said, it's not, the book of Eli. This section didn't get it. They thought it was in the Bible. It's not in the Bible. It's a movie called the book of Eli, Denzel Washington. God is good. All the time, and all the time, God is good. And I looked at him, I said, it's pretty obvious. You, you need to get rid of Netflix and start reading the Bible because you're watching more of Brother Denzel than you are. 
So this shun, vain babblings, and profane babblings, the word kenos means empty. Vain, is, it means it's of no use. Beblos. Beblos. It's profane. It's manure, really what it is. And vain means empty. And Paul said, listen, you're going to be surrounded by people that's saying a whole lot, but they're not saying anything. They're saying a whole lot of religious things, but all it is is just junk. It just needs to be spread on a pasture. And matter of fact, it's just blah, 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 blah. Make no mistake about it. And I would know we have some visitors here, and usually I'm not on a rant. And I'm not on a rant, but we're glad you're here. But I will tell you, if it's going to come out of my mouth, it's going to be intentuous. Whether you agree with it or not, it's not manure. It is the Word of God. And the Word of God is not hollow, neither is it empty. It's full of power and it's full of truth. And it is the Word of God that can change your life. See, So the reason why I'm telling you this morning that it's important for us not to surrender to vain babblings is this, because it will increase unto more stupidity. So let's say this. Philip, we're from Long Grove. Agreed? State champions in softball yesterday. Ungodliness means the opposite of God. The reason why it's important for you to tune out a lot of junk is because it's going to lead to more junk. Okay? So the problem is, see the word increase? It's a Greek word. We don't, you don't know that, but it means to take over. But it starts small. And then if, if somebody behind the pulpit and say, you know what, and, and, and behind closed doors, I appreciate your enthusiasm, but you are dead wrong in the water. You are wrong. And never, if I let you speak up here, I'm never going to stand up and say, you're a knucklehead. Well, I might, but I'm not going to say, you're a knucklehead. I'll always take him off and say, listen, appreciate your zeal. I appreciate your enthusiasm. And I'm going to tell you straight up, you're wrong. Now, I'm going to tell you something you're not going to believe. Everybody do this. It'll make you feel better. Just make it, yeah. Because I'm about done. I went to the walk to Emmaus a long time ago. There was a school teacher here in Ardmore that was a, was a school teacher and a Bible teacher in a, in, in a church, pretty good church here. She gave a talk on growth through study. Now watch this. We're talking about a grown woman that's got a master's degree. I'm not going to mention any, anybody's name. I'll promise you I won't. And on growth through study, if you know anything about the mass community, growth through study, she said, quote, because of her bad ex-two husbands, she would never, ever, and she is giving this message to about 75 women. Okay? She would never refer to God as, as in the he now. She'll always pronounce God as a woman. Now, I personally wasn't there at the moment, but I did get a phone call. And I have, I have, Albert, I have, I have, I have calmed way down in 10 years. Hmm? So she said, after watching the movie Shack, not Caddyshack, anybody seen Caddyshack? Has nothing to do with this movie Shack. Well, really, it's kind of the same thing. But anyway, after watching the movie The Shack, that this woman portrays the incarnate of God in certain ways, and it moves to another man. But, and after watching that, 
she comes to fully realize that God told her it was okay that she could refer to God as a woman. Now, I know you don't believe me. Look at my wife. That's true, isn't it? So I get on the phone. And I said, let me speak to somebody in charge of her. And, and uh, there's preachers involved. And I said, uh, if you let this happen, if you let this happen, I'll be in Kingston 35 minutes, and I'll come through the front door with or without my vehicle to get you. Because I have young women there listening to this nut. So I guess you took my word for it. And they made her change it, but they were going to allow it. See, you, you think I'm just up here, blah, 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 blah. I'm not. There is a real attack against truth. And whether you're mad about it, I don't care. I'm just telling you, there is an, an attack against biblical principles. And the Apostle Paul said, if you allow this to happen, what's going to happen? It's going to be more ungodliness until it takes over. Until every concept and culture, gays, lesbians, homosexuals, bisexuals, bestiality, all these people, they're now clergy, says it's okay. I got, I got about half a dozen words, but I'm going to use three. It's not okay. Amen. Adulterers, fornication. Oh, I'm not going to quit there. Witchcraft people, sorcerers, all these people. And I'm not telling you that we're perfect. We're not. But I will tell you there's a big difference between laity and clergy. And the problem is when clergy says it's okay, I have problems with that. We all struggle with stuff, do we not? But anytime a clergy says it's okay, that's where I have problems with. And I think so. He said, illegal ungodliness. So let's go back to verse 14. Close your Bibles because we're leaving. Whew. So he said, of these things put in remembrance, or the word means to excavate, put it right in front of you, charging them before the Lord. They're saying these things, that they strive not about words to no profit, but what they're doing, they're subverting the hearers. Is a word called catastrophe. Kata is down, strophe is steer. It means an airplane, five miles in the air, coming straight down. The result is not going to be good. Subverting of the hearers. Anytime you put yourself in a position of hearing junk, it's going to destroy your life. If it's not the truth of God's word, it'll destroy you. We're not going to make up stuff here as we go. It's God's word or we're not going to have a church anymore. Amen. Just the way it is. So now that he's going to name two, going down to 17, we're going to go. Put your pins up. Because their word will eat does as canker. It's a Greek word for gangrene. These people's words, I said their words. I said their words, their doctrine. Their words, their words, their doctrine. It's not just skin cancer. It's not just a surface problem. It's not just a tissue problem. Gangrene is the Greek word for this word, canker, and it means gangrene eats the bones. The reason why it was so important that he used the word gangrene because he said their words, it may seem small to you, but make no mistake about it. Once you believe one lie, then you're going to believe that lie, then you're going to believe that lie, and you're going to believe that lie. Before you know it, everything that you're structurally sound in God has now gone. And you're laying on the sidewalk like a slug and people are stepping over you because you believe the lie. As Genesis 3, the demon said this. Now, did God really say that? Because he told Adam, he said, don't, don't eat of the fruit. 
And by the time he got to Eve, Eve said this, we can't eat the fruit or touch it. He never said you couldn't touch it. So now then we're adding things to Scripture. And Satan said, then you think God really said that? Do you think God really means anything what I told you this morning? Yes. And that same spirit that spoke to Eve is speaking to you this morning and said, oh, he's just on a rant. I'm not on a rant. Watch this. I love you. Steve, don't take this wrong. I love you. Don, I love you. I mean, we just tolerate you. But the rest of you, we love you. Hymenus and Philetus. Here we go. So what's, why did he name these two? Because concerning the resurrection is past. And they'll overthrow the faith of the Son. The word overthrow is a word called anatrepo. And is over and over. And trepo is where we get the word for trip. You put them both together, it means you constantly cause people to trip. It's a, it's a term for shipwreck. The Apostle Paul said these men are constantly causing people to trip in their faith. Wow. You see how easy the Bible is once you understand it? And he said their words. Now, so what was the big deal about these? He names these two guys, Hamidus and Fletus. They said that the resurrection has already passed. So, Mark, what's the big deal about that? I mean, what's the big deal about it? They said that the resurrection had already passed. And so Paul names these people, and he said, their doctrine is so powerful that if you buy into it, that it's like gangrene, and it'll get past the skin and the tissue, and it'll get to the bone, and all the structure of the bone and the strength of the bone is gone, and you're just laying helpless. What was so bad about the resurrection this past? These two men were from the Sadducees. And to make this long story short, the Sadducees believed that there was no spiritual resurrection. The Pharisees did, but the Sadducees didn't. And that's why Jesus would say things to get them fighting among themselves. So the Pharisees believed in angels, angels angelic beings, but the Sadducees did not. So when they said, when the Apostle Paul names these two, this is what was saying. Go ahead, Jordan, here, let's show the last page. The problem with this doctrine was this, that once a person was saved, that newness of life was their resurrection. You, Melissa made a comment last week, thank you. She said, you can't make this stuff up. You can't. What was so dangerous about these two individuals that was working in the church at Ephesus they was preaching a doctrine that the resurrection of Jesus had already passed. And so now then, that the only resurrection that you would ever experience is the newness of life if you accepted Christ as Savior. And it's the resurrection from the old into the new life. So if the resurrection, I wrote, is already passed, then it's evident that the saints have reached their final condition while here on earth. And with that thinking, the church was no longer needs to look for the blessed coming of Christ that would establish his kingdom here on earth. But we also have lost our hope of eternal life with God. And there's no consequences for sin.
these two guys that were teachers in the church, it was going on. And matter of fact, they had a name for themselves. And by the time the Apostle Paul gets to Ephesus, he's listening to these guys in the church. And he calls these two men out by name. And he said, listen, it's a false doctrine. Because what they're teaching is that if you have newness of life, that is your resurrection. And even the Apostle Paul said, if all we have in this life, we are men most what? Miserable. I appreciate, watch it, we're leaving. We're really leaving. Fold up your Bibles. Close your eyes. I appreciate this life. I appreciate my salvation. I appreciate that he changed my life for the good. But I'll tell you, there is a better day coming. And the Apostle Paul is saying this, don't buy into the concept that this is all that there is because when you die, you go back to the dust and that's all there is. Listen, I don't know about you, but I've read the full book and the full book says to be present with God when I leave this body. And I'm awaiting the coming of the Lord Jesus. And we're surrounded in Hebrews 12 by a great cloud of witnesses. Revelation 4, 5, and 6, the tells us the picture of heaven and the glory of God and the glory of the, of the saints that's gone before us and, and the angelic presence, streets of gold, and all these things, they await us. So the Apostle Paul names them because they were teaching a false doctrine. And he said because what they were teaching, they were overthrowing, shipwrecking men's faith. So here's my doctrine. You ready? Jesus Christ was born of a virgin. He lived vicariously, means without sin. And I'm not going to stutter on any of these fundamental points. He suffered maljustice by Pontius Pilate. He was beaten, whipped, crucified. He died. Three days later, he rose again. He lives to make intercession for you and I. But David Jones, he is coming again. He's coming again. And the Apostle Paul said, if men have that hope, if men have that hope of the blessed coming of Jesus Christ, it gives us a sense of a conscious awareness that we need to make sure our steps are right with God. So next week, if you come, we'll talk about the atonement work of Christ. We'll talk about did Jesus really was in the grave for three days. We'll talk about some things. And we're not going to get on women preachers till later on when, when I'll let you cool off. Jesus pointed them out. God pointed them out. The Apostle Paul pointed them out, but watch this. It wasn't sinful man. It was doctrines of devils that came from the pulpit. So this morning, if you're here this morning, I'm so glad you're here. But if I happen to mention a big-time leader's name, I'm not mad, envious, or jealous of those people. I just don't want you to buy their books and quote things that is wrong because it'll lead to more ungodliness in your life. I'm trying to get you back into truth. Let's find out what Jesus said.
Can we do that? Father, thank you for sending your son Jesus to be the substitute for our sin. Still to this day, when we look in the mirror, we have no idea what good you saw in us. Even in this time that we live in, it seems like that we really can't put our finger on really what is right and true because we have so much false perceptions on every TV channel that we turn to. And I just pray by the Holy Spirit that this small congregation that we will just seek you earnestly. We really want to know truth. We really want to know who you are. We truly want to honor you and glorify you in all things. So first of all, if there's any in this place that you've never really made a personal commitment to Christ, we're glad you're here. The Bible said, whosoever will believe that Jesus Christ is Lord shall be saved. The Father for us has been saved for many years. I pray that we would never be led astray of false teachings and false doctrines, false religions, persuasions of men. I pray that we will constantly be filled with the Spirit and we'll constantly look for your leadership. I really don't want to be deceived. Matter of fact, you're the one that says as straight as the gate and narrow is the way and very few find it. That, that bothers me. But broad is the way. Wide is the way. And multitude seems to stumble into that. So help me every day to make an examination of my life. Help us every day in this small church. Just never take it for granted that everything's okay just because someone said it was okay. Help us really to intentionally seek you and honor you. So this morning we just pray that God will just take these simple words, these simple truths, and we'll take it home with us. And he'll help us on our journey as we continue to pursue Christ our King. In Jesus' name, amen. Stand with me if you would, please. And boy, some of you say, thank God, I'll be glad to stand. I was raised in Simmons God Church. I went there. My mother and dad went there, raised me. I probably didn't pay attention, but I went there. I met the love of my life at the age of 20. My wife and I, we got involved in church at the age of 20. I, I really got saved. We both got saved the same morning. And I mean, we really got saved. But I'm, I'm, I'm telling you the truth here. I was raised in a concept and a thinking and in a denomination all my life. They had, all, they had all the gifts and the signs and all the expressions, and you know what I'm saying. They had it all going on. And so after we were saved a couple of years, I kind of felt led to do something to get a Christian worker's license, and I just I didn't know anything, but I just I just wanted to pursue my calling with. So the pastor said, you could get a Christian worker's license and you can help me teach Sunday school and blah, 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 and all these things. And so I went before a panel of the Assemblies of God, the, the creme of the creme, the presbyters and the elders and the superintendent. There were 64 of them in this room that I went to. 
all the leaders, all the icons, everybody that was anybody in the state of Oklahoma with the assemblies of God, they were there. And they put me on a witness stand, if you would. And they asked me a couple of questions, why I wanted to be a preacher, if I wanted to be a preacher, and, and I have an honest heart. I just said, I don't know. I just feel God is calling me. And then, and then one gentleman said, he said, well, we have record here that your wife was married for about a year before she met you when she was 16 and she was 24 then. And I said, well, that's true. And he looked at me and he said, then you're disqualified. And I couldn't believe it. And I said, say that to me again in English. I said, my wife at the age of 16 was married for a few months, got a divorce after a few months, and now then that's been almost 10 years, eight years. She was 24 when she met me, and now that you're saying that we're disqualified because of that? And he said, this is, this is what he told me. He said, well, we have standards for our ministers. <laughs> If there wasn't women in this church, I don't cuss, but I'll tell you what I think I called them. It started with a J and with an S. I think I did. And it wasn't Jesus either. <laughs> we got in a car, and this is exactly what I told my wife. She, she felt bad, and I said, oh, my goodness, honey, you're the greatest that ever happened to me. But this is what I said to her. If they lied to me about that, what else have they lied to me about? And through the years, they lied a bunch. I'll never lie to you. I'm not going to tell you something you want to hear because you want to hear it. I'll always tell you truth. And here's the truth. Jesus loves you. Amen. Communion servers, make your way here this morning. Jesus sat with that with his disciples and he said for 1,500 years you've been celebrating the communion if you would. He called it the, the Passover. Moses instituted the first one. They took the unleavened bread and they broke it. But Jesus said now that John chapter 6, he said, I am the bread of life. And every time you take of the unleavened bread, it will remind you of me. And he took the cup and he said, 1,500 years you've been celebrating the Passover lamb whose blood was shed and placed in the shape of a cross on the doorpost and the death angel, Abaddon, he passed over. But he said in John 1, I am the lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. My Father will take my blood and He'll place it in the shape of a cross for the forgiveness of your sins. Here's the good news. Christ died. Christ was buried. But Christ was raised the third day. And forgiveness is ours. That's the truth. Father, help us as we go. Help us to be good discerners of truth. We celebrate your goodness in Jesus' name.